Hi, I'm Brent Feldman, and I'm your host of Mix and Matchbox. Today, uh, we are back with another episode, and I am joined by Charlie Howe, Vice President of Client Development for True Media. Charlie, thank you so much for being on the podcast. How's it going? My, my pleasure, Brent. Good to see you again. Yeah, definitely. Good to see you too. Uh, really looking forward to uh, to jumping into stuff here. I know we had a, a really uh, good conversation just the other day, and uh, and definitely it's it's fun to be able to ask these questions. So I'll jump right in. Um, you know, and I, I I hope it's fair to call you an agency guy. Uh, yeah, <laughs> a majority yes. of your time. Oh, that's good. Uh, in, in your in like kind of like the agency space in general. But, um, you know, you only, in fact, it looks like spent maybe a year outside of it. But, you know, in a nutshell, uh, how would you say you kind of got to where you're at? Uh, it's a great question, because I, I guess 35 years into it, I'm still trying to figure that out, too. But I think really I'm a byproduct of my parents. My uh, father was a banker and my mother was an artist. And... When I went to college, I ended up getting a major in economics and business, but then a minor in art. And so marketing is what was calling me where I could satisfy both sides of my brain. And so that's what attracted me to the agency lifestyle. And it's a fulfilling one to be sure, as you know. Um, but there was a point where I thought, well, maybe life would be better on the other side of the desk. So you're right. There was a year where I went and became a VP of marketing for a corporation. And it was then I realized um, why I wasn't geared for that type of job, because it was pretty much full, you know, where your brain was focused doing kind of the same things every day, the same topics, you know, the product or the service, what have you. And it just wasn't fulfilling for me. So the agency world, this crazy world where you never know what your day is going to be like until you check your email or you check your voicemail is what helps me get out of bed in the morning and every day is a different day. And so that's why I love what I do. That's so cool. Yeah, I, I definitely appreciate the variety as well. Uh, and that's cool about your mom and your dad, actually. Yeah, my dad uh, was a tailor, my mom an artist. So actually, I I, I know how that may, maybe there is there's something about that that kind of drives people to get in the agencies, right? That juxtaposition of rational and emotional and marketing is right in the middle of it. Absolutely. Yeah, cool. Well, um, you know, I saw that you went to school for economics. And that's a subject that I always find fascinating. I think I, I got into it. And I mean, I'm sure this is probably how a lot of people find it. But you know, by reading like Freakonomics, and, uh, you know, and sort of just finding all the the details and some of these big statistics, you know, really interesting. But, um, you know, it, it's not exactly aligned with where you ended up in your career. But, you know, what is it about economics that sort of like, you know, interested you or, you know, gives you an edge even as you uh, approach your your day to day? Yeah, I think, you know, first of all, I'm so old that there weren't a lot of the journalism programs that are out there today. And so, you know, carving a path in the agency world uh, back in the late 80s was quite a bit different you know, uh, was more admin like than it is today. But I think the economics background has benefited me really having a better and broader understanding of how businesses function, how they operate, 
what those executives are motivated by, uh, what they are focused on. And it was a perspective that I think a lot of agency people um, didn't have. Um, and I know it was true then, and it's still a little true today, I think, when I look at a lot of the young smart minds that join our company or those that I engage with, that the understanding of business is, is really paramount. It, marketing, sure, is important. That's our craft. But how marketing can fuel and drive business growth and to be able to have those kinds of conversations with senior executives, I think is where the economics degree has probably helped me the most. And, you know, being able to read financial, you know, income statements, balance statements and things like that. Yeah, definitely. No, that that's cool. And it makes a lot of sense. Uh, and I think you're totally right. Uh, you could make a really cool, amazing, sexy campaign. But if you don't know what sort of like, you know, goals it's driving, why it's, you know, working or what you're working for, uh, I feel like it can it, it, you know, it can fall flat. So I, I totally agree with that sentiment. Yeah. And I think, you know, back in the day, a client would come to an agency because of its creative product. You know, they had a hotshot creative team that was doing, you know, national award winning work. And it would be that output, you know, those TV spots that they would produce would be the reason why someone would knock on your door. And then 10 years ago, it became largely because of the new technologies that were shaping um, marketing. It became more about the connection strategy, my world today, which is media. And that became the reason why people were knocking on the door. But we're, we're kind of back to where it's in balance because the honest truth is great creative needs a great connection strategy and plan. And with what we can measure today um, and the reporting capabilities that we have of performance, how that can uh, go back and inform creative for the next round of messaging or um, asset development is really what is propelling the results that we, that we see today. And um, I think it's a much better balance of, of those two things working in concert with one another versus leading with creative and then here's the media plan you know in the last 15 minutes of a pitch definitely that's that's awesome okay cool well um this is kind of touching you know on on your your title maybe some of the things that you've done you know for agencies in general but you know in in, in business development uh, obviously you know wanting to find new opportunities and ways to you know bring in business to the agency but um but i i'm kind of wondering because uh this this always seems to be the case but why why is sales a dirty word i wish i knew um it, it's funny because even my title it's client development which is purely sales and you'll see other titles at agencies you know business development more so than sales but at the end of the day it is sales and it's not a dirty word, I think, if the salesperson is truly being consultative with their solutions. Um, you know, there's a lot of businesses that um, demand transactional sales. It's all about, you know, the quick hit, if you will, you got to sell this product, got to sell this service. But in professional services, um, you really need to be a consultant more than you are a salesperson. So, you know, even though sales has that dirty connotation, 
the the truth of it is is it's what keeps agencies afloat new business um, brings in new income it allows you to hire new talent it allows you to promote talent within the organization um, and it feels bonuses and so um, i like to say that new business is everybody's business because it's a relationship uh business and um, I'll, I'll keep, I guess I'll go to my deathbed believing in that, that it is a relationship business. And um, it's easy to get caught up in the money and the margin and all of that. But I had an old boss tell me that if we took care of our people and they in turn took care of the clients, that the money would be there. And I know, you know, we as executives of our different respective companies, you know, we need to be fiscally minded and bottom line minded and the money is important, but um, I, I think the relationship is the most important and it's what drives our ability to uh, grow responsibly so that you can be a bit more selective uh, with who you um, are going after and, and why, but, um, Sales is, it's, it, it, it can be a dirty word, but my job, I believe, is to uh, make salespeople out of all of our people so that when they're attending a conference or they're on a client call and something is said that maybe uh, perhaps could open the door to a different department or division for the agency to do work in, you have to have someone who has the ability to have that conversation and to 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 kick 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 open that door and um you know go see if you can you know grow your business yeah definitely but it's super uh helpful to understand in the context in which i guess sales gets done you know in order to like kind of um uh, not necessarily put a label to it but really uh not be able to classify it as something where oh somebody's just trying to you know close a deal or like you know make it happen but i really do appreciate the relationship aspect of like you know it, it, as long as you're providing good information and like you know being as you mentioned consultative and um honestly you're you're providing a service even at that point even before you've you know made money off of it you're trying to guide a, a you know a, a potential client in the right direction and and help and uh yeah and i feel like sometimes it's like you know the person that's haranguing you at at target to change your uh cable tv service provider <laughs> right. or something you know but but uh at the end of the day um yeah i definitely feel like that it's um it it it, it should be more about the relationship so that's it, it it has to be and i think that the the truth at the end of the day is people do business with people they like um and so um you know it's really important that it it gets beyond you know just the scope of services and that you know all of our clients are real people too and they're going through their own struggles and and to have some empathy and to have an open ear and and um you know to to walk with them as they go through you know, their daily life is, is something that there are people who are just naturally good at it, at it, and there are people who kind of struggle. But I think those that are good at building relationships, particularly in the marketing business, um, you know, they have uh, very fruitful careers. Definitely. Absolutely. Cool. Uh, well, for, you know, some companies, I guess I, I've, I've certainly witnessed 
you know, toxic relationships that, you know, business development can have with the rest of the organization and, uh, you know, and, 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 and vice versa. Um, you know, and this can come from like, you know, either, uh, maybe on one side, uh, you know, business development, pitching crazy timelines, doing things that obviously is maybe sabotaging the staff or overburdening workers, you know, uh, but also on the other side where, you know, um, you know, maybe the, the team looks at business development in a certain way, a negative light. And I, I know that those, you know, contentious relationships can be harmful for overall progress. Um, so, you know, at the end of the day, you want everybody playing together. And I, I feel like you just said something, you know, really good as a response in the last question about, you know, everybody can technically be sales. You don't, you know, they don't have to have the sales mindset. But, you know, obviously creating good relationships, you know, talking to people, you know, being excited about what they do. But, you know, what are ways that you can you would recommend that foments a better relationship um, between business development and the rest of the organization? It's it's a trick and it's an ongoing balancing act that, you know, frankly, I struggle with weekly um, because you're right that, um, you know, the pandemic made it difficult for agencies where our people were being poached and being poached by either coast. A lot of our people are in the central U.S. and typically um, were, you know, not part of, you know, what crazy uh, salaries and financial commitments uh, were being made in the East Coast or the West Coast. And so, you know, all agencies today, for the most part, are running a little leaner uh, that, you know, we've lost some good people to fantastic opportunities. Um, and, and hiring has been probably, hiring good talent is probably our biggest issue today. So with that said, when you're asking people to uh, find another 10 hours in their week to support a new business effort, um, the, the response you get to that request isn't always positive. And, and you have to really respect the professionals that you work with and the team that, that you pitch with or, or, or bring in to support a new business uh, opportunity. And so sometimes that means saying no to great, great chances or great opportunities, uh, just because we believe if you can't give it 100% effort, you shouldn't do it. Mm -hmm. Everything that we do is competitive. Um, and there's always a firm who's willing to do a bit more. And it shows, I think, uh, in the end product. So if you can't be 100% all in, um, you probably shouldn't be putting your hat or your name in the hat and just pull out. So we, we tend to do that more than we used to. Um, we're a bit more choiceful uh, with those that we do decide to allocate resources in terms of the kind of company they are, the team, and the dynamic of the team. And just, I think, thinking more about the chemistry and would it be a good fit and, and putting more value on that than the size of the budget. So uh, being just a bit more purposeful. And I think after demonstrating that and that we actually mean that has helped with what can be some of those barriers that can come up internally when, again, you're asking someone to carve out an additional 10 hours in their week just for you. Because um, sometimes they really don't have that time. But if, but if the team is committed 
and um, you know it's an exciting brand or the the team that we would be working with is a team that would gel with our team that it would be a positive chemistry and experience then it, you know it's amazing how people can find those 10 hours when 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 it makes sense yeah definitely that's really cool just being yeah you know compassionate because you're right you know you get confronted with a lot of opportunities and not every single one of them is going to make sense and if you try chasing every single one of those it's going to be not only a large you know sort of expenditure of your own time but also your team's time and being cognizant of that um but also where you find something that seems really deeply meaningful or exciting or you know something you feel like would be a great benefit to not only you know the agency but you know the team that's working on it uh, it, that, that's where, you know, you know, hopefully everybody, everybody's in on the same sort of thing and gets on the same page and moves towards the same goal. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it sounds cliche, but when the team is all in and they're gelling, it just shows. And it shows with every touch point that you have with that particular prospect. And in fact, we just went through a large pitch for a national uh, CPG brand, I can't divulge who, but they had um, reached out initially to 12 media agencies and they were being really fair in that they came out and said, we're going to interview you and we're only going to RFP three firms. And so we want to have confidence that the three that we move forward with, at least through the RFP process, were vetted and that you know it's a good fit for both for both teams. And we were fortunate to um, survive just through uh, a couple interviews, frankly, um, receiving the RFP. And then, as you know, Brent, it can take, that's a huge investment of time mm -hmm. um, to respond to those things. You know, tens of thousands of dollars can get invested very quickly. Um, $100,000 isn't out of, you know, the question for some of these larger opportunities. Um, but we went all in and the team was there and we worked uh, over two weekends uh, and ended up winning the business. And we were told the reason we won it is that um, not only were we proactive, but we weren't pushy, um, but that we went deeper and shed more insight into their brand and their target audience than the other two agencies had done and they said it just demonstrated even though you weren't right with everything the conclusions you made because of course in that in that scenario we're doing it in a silo right void of the participation of all of the data that the client team might have so really at the end of the day they're just judging you on how you think mm -hmm. and uh, again nothing in our business is a one-person job so it's collectively how the team thinks is what's important and we were able to demonstrate that we were a little bit scrappier, I think, and hungrier than than the other guys, and that's what put us over the top. But that, it takes a, it takes a team effort to do that. Definitely, that's cool. Well, also, congratulations on that. Oh, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, uh, I guess you know you spoke the other day about you know. Um, you know, tactics and provided some advice for hiring salespeople. Um, you, uh, I guess you mentioned that it was, you know, imp uh, important that you, um, you know, sort of 
talk to a client about their needs and, and, you know, making the result really about, you know, them and about what you're going to be doing for the client in general. Um, how do you sort of like, you know, dig to get to the root of client needs as you talk to potential clients? Yeah. And, and I think when we talked the other day, this was a topic because a lot of agencies fall into a trap, particularly younger agencies um, who have, you know, existed for 10 years or less, I would say, who are growing, um, but, you know, are still more of like maybe a boutique shop, you know, I'd say under under 50 people. And the trap that they fall into is they always talk about themselves. You know, they want to talk about their experience. They want to talk about their people and their people's experience. And no one on the buying side really cares. Um, you know, they've already done their homework. They've been to your website. They've looked at some of the work that you do um, because that's why they're interested in having a conversation with you. And if you get that chance to have a conversation, if 80% of it is, is you talking about yourself, the chances for a second date probably aren't very strong. And so um, we fell into that trap. We started to grow fairly rapidly, I'd say five years ago, um, as we became more of a regional uh, media agency. And we got away with being able to talk about ourselves a lot and still get hired. But now as we've grown to be more of a national agency and working with national brands, they really have done their homework. Um, you know, it's a word of mouth or maybe there's a search consultant that's in the middle of doing or conducting the review. And when, it, when it's in that environment, it has to be about them. And so we lean into brand strategy an awful lot, even in the RFP stage, because like I said earlier, even if your conclusion or your hypothesis is wrong, you still get credit by demonstrating how you think. And so we look at what's the state of the brand um, and, and its relationship to its competition. Is it a challenger, challenger brand, as an example, or is it the market leader? Because how we would recommend um, media solutions would be, would be different. Um, you know, are they, what's the share of voice in terms of spend? We can analyze that. We can even analyze sentiment by, um, you know, social monitoring and who, who is, you know, getting a lot of positive things being said about them or the brand and, you know, where are there maybe some, some issues to address. But we do all of that before we even answer a question in the RFP. And we might do market analysis work uh, alongside with some of the audience work that, uh, and research that we would be doing um, that also creates insight. So everything that we're doing is, is focused on their business and their challenges and what they're asking from a marketing solutions perspective. And, um, you know, using data to help lead to better informed decision making. Mm -hmm. And we invest a couple million dollars a year in the tools that we subscribe to, which is more than what most in-house groups have or even, um, you know, some creative agencies. And so leaning into that data 
and really understanding that target audi target audience's behavior with media and then how we can engage with them throughout their day is where we have the opportunity to really show again some insight and you know find white space to take advantage of perhaps that the competition is is missing yeah definitely i i'm detecting a a, a thread of like you know uh, of you know things that you've mentioned which is i feel like super important but as you make this investment of like you know time into really caring about the clients that you're moving towards or like you know wanting to go after um, it always it shows whether it you know uh, leaning into the data making assumptions about what they could do uh, you know engaging your team so that you know there you feel like there's a good fit and a partnership all of these things are kind of stringing together of um, you know the 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 more that you can show that that care and attention to you know that potential client the more that it generally uh, can pay off. Yeah, I think you're right. And at the end of the day, it's really expressing a specific point of view. And again, I think agencies are quick to say their own personal point of view of their approach to marketing or processes that they've developed or have, you know, packaged up to be something proprietary. Uh, but what's more important is a point of view on the brand and the category or the industry that the brand is in and um, how your solutions are going to be unique to their need. And so, it, you know, it's just flipping the coin and it sounds easy, but it's not <laughs> mm -hmm. because you have professionals who don't want to be wrong. And again, in the environment that I'm in always in new business, um, you know, you have to build up the confidence where, again, even if your point of view is off or it's wrong, you still get credit by demonstrating then how you work and how you take that point of view and you're applying it throughout all of your strategy work and then ultimately your tactical work as well. For sure. Cool. Well, that's that's awesome. Um, what... Um is your favorite part of, uh, you know, sort of making a new relationship. Uh, it, it's been funny, like, you know, like I, I know you mentioned in the last, uh, you know, maybe a couple, you know, answers about, you know, that sort of that date, you know, that it's mm -hmm. like, are you going to get asked back in and, uh, uh, or, or, or are you going to get asked on a second date? But, you know, um, certainly, obviously the investigation is, is fun. Um, you know, the, the, what the work is, the total dollar value, um, you know, what progress you're making for the agency in general, but you know, what, what makes that win at the end of the day, the most exciting for you personally? I, I think it is getting to know these people as people, you know, I mentioned, we just won this nice piece of business and the VP of marketing said, you know, you guys had us at the first meeting. It just felt right. And she said from the first 15 minutes of the first conversation, it just felt like we had been working together for years. And that's, that's the ultimate. I mean, that's really what we all strive for, but rarely does that happen so quickly as it did in this case. Because um, usually it takes many meetings before you get to know someone where you, you know, know if they have kids or the kids' names and their interests or if they have a pet or not. Because certainly once you know that much about them, you know, the relationship has, has gone beyond professional and it's now personal. And I think that's what we all should be striving for because, you know, we're working with people. 
And like I said before, they have, they have their own issues that are going on. But when you can make that connection, when you have that, that chemistry, you have that energy, you can't fake it. Um, it's either there or it's not. And it really is like the real dating world, um, as odd as that might seem, because all matches aren't meant to be forever. <laughs> I mean, it's a, it's a tough world out there as, you know, I don't know, I lost count how many marketing agencies exist in the U.S. alone, but it's like 40,000 or something. It's crazy. There's a lot of competition. Um, and when you have that uh, true emotional connection with a client and you are more friends than professional associates, um, you just have that much more uh, of a chance to hang on to that relationship for a, a, a lot longer. Um, or if that person leaves, typically you're the first call when they land at their new job. And frankly, I think that's, you know, been one of the things that as I'm in my, you know, autumn stages of my career, it's the gift that keeps giving. Um, when I've got a client that I have worked with now, um, uh, she's been CMO four times at four different companies. Um, and each time she moves, uh, she brings us along with her. And um, that's what I'm talking about when you know you've done it right. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, we've definitely had those uh, those clients that'll, you know, change positions and everybody's, you know, career kind of changes and especially in, you know, corporate. But uh, but wow, to have that kind of lasting relationship and you to be excited for their pro progress, but them, you know, to be excited to be like, these are the first people I'm calling, you know, and, yeah. uh, you know, it's it is it's like it's flattering and it's exciting. It's, you know, it's really cool. And, and there's value, you know, I think um, the last Harvard Business Review study I saw in the average tenure of a CMO of a large national brand is a year and a half. And, yeah. you know, that's not e even enough time for them to implement their own strategies. They're still, you know, executing their predecessor's strategies. So it's just a crazy dynamic that is out there today in the you know in marketing departments um, for many organizations, and um, so the, the ability to build a relationship and um, for that to be genuine uh, again is I think really really important because it's 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 hard to do when you have people coming and going so quickly. For sure, absolutely. Um, cool. Well, uh, I, I know that, uh, you know, in general agency work can kind of ebb and flow, uh, you know, sometimes our, our big heavy times you just mentioned just a second ago that, yeah, five years ago, you guys were, you know, growing like crazy, uh, you know, and, and there are sometimes there's rough spots too, uh, and you lose a, a client or a relationship. Yeah. Um, how would you, uh, you know, say that you manage the tougher times and, you know, um, you know, is there anything that you you've kind of figured out along the way in order to manage those like those swings or to make them more gentle as opposed to so drastic? Yeah, a, a couple of things, because you're right, uh, you know, um, people leave, you know, and, and you know, if uh, a, a person or a marketing director or a VP of marketing was pretty loyal to an agency and they leave and um, they're not able to bring you with because there's times where they're under contract with someone else. Um, now you're sitting there looking at lost, lost income or lost revenue. So what we, what we do anyway is we look at our top 10 and we're always thinking if we were, you know, to be, um, 
if that business went away for whatever reason, who would we replace it with? Because our people become experts in specific industries when we're fully integrated and providing full services for any particular brand or brand team. And um, there's a skill set that gets um, built up that is a value. And so let's say it's dog food and we're working with Perina, but Perina consolidates and now it's with a great big holding company uh, network. Um, you know, we would have, well, who's the independent or who's the other challenger brand um, that we'd want to talk to and talk about, you know, what we do know in the, in the industry or the category and what opportunity we believe there might be for that for that other brand. So we, we tend to have a replacement in mind and um, we try to build up relationships with some of those organizations so that if the time did come where a client went away that we would already have a replacement in mind and um, someone to make contact with. That's cool. Yeah, uh, I, I think that's super helpful uh, only because you're not in the moment. Sometimes you're not thinking about the future or sometimes the worst case scenario, but um, better planning and certainly just, you know, anticipation can be really helpful. And, you know, maybe that's better for everybody at the end of the day. I know there's some relationships that go that maybe that was okay. You know, that you mm -hmm. reach a point, there was a changing of people. Yeah, that that relationship isn't as beneficial to either side. And, uh, and as you think about the potential of, oh, what could this be? Or what could we offer somebody in, you know, a similar, you know, sort of position at a different company um, that could maybe yield great benefits. So I, I think that's great advice though. Yeah. And it's just, you know, because we're all chameleons in this business and we might start an engagement with very little knowledge of that actual industry or category, but over the course of time, again, you, you know, you learn a lot and it's a shame if, if all that knowledge, um, you know, just gets put aside because the relationship ended. And so, it's it's something that has served us well, um, and and maybe that's a little tip that helps other agency owners navigate the crazy world of marketing. I certainly hope so, for sure. <laughs> um, well, cool. Well, where where do you see gaps in how agencies you know get their business? Um, you mentioned the other day that finding new people within the same company you know can be very helpful. Um, but are there any other, you know, things where, you know, you've noticed success, uh, where you kind of, um, yeah, maybe don't see other people acting on these things as readily? Yeah, I think, um, a lot of agencies fall into a trap of, um, you know, they were great practitioners. Maybe they were a fantastic copywriter or art director and, um, you know, went and started their own shop. So they're a really good practitioner, but maybe they don't have the business management skills um, that are required to run effective agencies. And so I think the best balance is when you are creating your own outbound efforts. So you are targeting specific companies for a specific reason, either something that you have learned about them or about the competition that you think it's important for them to know you know, again, creating dialogue, sharing content and trying to, you know, uh, the beginnings of what would be hopefully a, a stronger relationship one day. Um, but then, you know, I, I think a lot of agencies fall into that trap of just responding to what comes to them. So they're not really controlling where they 
want to grow their agency and why. Um, they're just reacting to, you know, opportunities that present themselves. And it's a, it's a trap that it's easy to fall into because it's like, you know, hey, we already have more business than I have people to do the work. Um, but purposeful growth is, I think, the better path. And so that does require not only, you know, winning those opportunities that are coming to you inbound that makes sense to invest all the resources that we've talked about, but to have that same effort and outbound. And so what, what we do is we talk to our people once a year where we talk about what they're passionate about, you know, what brands that they would like to spend time working on. And we work that into our outbound so that it's always easier to get people to devote extra time when it's something that they're really passionate about. So we ask them and, um, you know, and we, we try to create some opportunities uh, in, in those spaces. But then also it's like, well, you know, where do we have a good book of business? And so, you know, for us, it's financial services, it's healthcare, it's travel and tourism. And we have clients across the pretty diversified portfolio. So there is industry specific targeting that we do as well. Yeah, um, I, I feel like that's all uh, really good advice. And it definitely sounds like, you know, maybe a, a core tenet of that is just not being too complacent. Um, you know, definitely, yeah, finding opportunities that people want to work on, um, you know, keeping, you know, the relationships open, but also just not necessarily, you know, as you mentioned, kind of being like, well, I have more work than I can handle. So I think we're in good shape, because I guess maybe that can lead to a trap as well. <laughs> Yeah, it can. Or, you know, if if because you need the income, you take on a piece of business and, you know, maybe there are red flags as, you know, we had conversations with that team and what it might be like to work with that team. But, you know, we need the revenue, so let's do it. Um, and then if it's a challenging client that no one wants to work on, you're really, you know, creating a cultural issue that's hard to overcome. And it, again, it's a balancing act because, you know, we need to run profitable, profitable businesses. That's the way we grow and how we can bonus people or, uh, you know, attract new talent. But when, when, when the brands or the, 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 the clients that you're working with, you know, um, give you a better experience and you have people who are fighting to actually work on that business, you, you know, you're in a much stronger position. For sure. Absolutely. Everybody's motivated. Mm -hmm. um, cool. Okay. Well, uh, uh, quality sales, I guess, can be a very, you know, expensive thing for an organization to find somebody who's like, you know, either qualified as a big book of business is like, you know, just really talented. And, you know, um, I, I guess in your opinion, you know, do you think that salespeople should make as much as they do and especially with like you know long tenures like you know and i i think you made an impression upon me the other day and the answer was generally yes uh but uh i'm leading you into it in terms of like uh, <laughs> it's a setup it? yeah <laughs> yeah it's a setup well i mean i i think good salespeople need good incentives um you know it's it's a challenging environment. Um, you need someone who has confidence and, you know, you're going to get a hundred no's before you get the one yes. And so you, you need to be a little thick skinned. 
and you need to be hungry. And so I think the best ones have strong incentive so they know uh, what's at stake um, so that they are 100% in, that they have the trust and respect of their teammates who also then are going to agree to be 110% all in. Um, because again, it takes a team. And at the end of the day, it's the team that is selected, not any particular individual. Um, but a good salesperson can make that process uh, much more efficient and, and, and I think valued internally than someone who's just trying to get project work, at least in, in my experience. So I think good ones are gonna cost money, but if they're making money, that means everyone else is making money. The owner is making money and you know there's bonus pools being put together and things like that. But it's always, um, I'm sure, scrutinized <laughs> on an agency by agency basis. For sure. But it's so, it is so necessary and vital. That is for sure. Yeah. It keeps everything going. Like I said, if, you know, the only way to, the, the only path to growth is uh, new relationships, new income streams, and opportunities. Yeah, absolutely. If you can't throw full, a coal on the fire, uh, you're, what are you fueling it with? <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Um, all right. So uh, last question is really that, you know, AI is driving a lot of new innovation in tech all the time. And obviously people are talking about it ad nauseum at like this kind of mm -hmm. high level. Uh, but, um, you know, the one thing that I've heard of, you know, innovation within sales, but maybe not like as deeply. Some are like, you know, automated sales scripts or like, you know, here's things that can be helpful, like, you know, during that process. Um, and there's a lot of things that I could dream up that I'm like, oh, that would actually be incredibly helpful as, uh, you know, automated, you know, routines that get set up for email, you know, sort of outreach uh, that, that just, you know, we're at the snap of a finger as opposed to like, you know, spending this kind of like arduous, you know, time setting up all these things. Not that it's not a value doing it by yourself, but, you know, are there any hopes that you kind of have of like, you know, what AI might be able to do for the field in order to, you know, make everybody's either job more effective or, or just easier? Yeah. Um, we're always experimenting with new tools. I mean, I, I, I said earlier, we invest in about $2 million a year in our data uh, and licensed tools. And we subscribe to some just for our own outbound efforts as well. And we're always experimenting with, you know, not only where we're getting data, you know, LinkedIn is great, but there's, you know, tools like Winmo and, and others where you hopefully it's accessing a database that gives you a real person and their real contact information for a real job <laughs> uh, at a company that you're interested in, in having a conversation with. So we're always um, experimenting, but um, you know, as you think about some of the AI technology and how it's impacting what we do as a media agency, um, just before this call, I was on a call with a prospective client and we were looking at AI technology and YouTube that will look at the um, uh, viewing history of a user and it will correlate a match to our brand or the brand that we're, we're looking to advertise. 
and it's engaging with a user and the content that they prefer, but because of what they're viewing, you can bring relevance to the brand that you're promoting. And um, I was looking at this and said, that's exactly what we need to be doing in our new business is, you know, utilizing technology that can monitor the search activity of someone who's looking for a new agency. And I would like to get that heads up you know, one day earlier than someone else. And it, it's there. And so, um, you know, let's chat again in, in a quarter because I'm going to see if we can leverage the YouTube uh, tactic or tool just for our own outbound efforts. Well, there you go. All right. Well, uh, definitely. I would I would love to see you make that happen. Uh, I, I feel like there's so much room for, you know, things to be, you know, either more efficient or more targeted and receiving information, not just, you know, maybe consumer based tools that kind of seem, you know, interesting or fun or a novelty, but stuff that could literally, uh, you know, just uh, uh, put the right people in front of, you know, at the right place at the right time. Sure. And, you know, and as, as simple as like chat GPT, we use just like, is there a different way of saying uh, this or how we answer a particular question in an RFP that might be uh, more interesting to read? And so, I mean, we're, we're seeing AI disrupt a lot of things that we do in the media space, whether again, it's in the connections plan. We do a lot with dynamic creative with a lot of our agency partners where, you know, let's say you've got 20 different versions of a headline, 20 different image, uh, you know, um, uh, assets, and then 20 different versions of body copy. And that gives you like 200,000 different unique um, um, produced ads that we then are, are uh, measuring the engagement that we're getting as we optimize and look to find more efficiency with the response that we're getting from our target audience. And so I'm, I'm just, you know, as an older guy, it's the kind of stuff that keeps me excited because our business is always changing and AI is just another change that is going to be, um, challenging one yes but also is going to create a lot a lot of opportunity just like social media did for a lot of agencies totally yeah the programmatic stuff is fascinating and like you know if you could only imagine if back in the day it wasn't just you know a b testing a couple messages it's like there's not enough letters in the alphabet for how many combinations you can get out of stuff now it's just uh and then to get that data and that real-time feedback and all the kind of stuff that's at our disposal now um is just it's yeah uh it, it's so it's it's fascinating it is and it's you know and it's those little steps that can be a big game changer for many different companies or brands. Um, it's almost like you're reaching the masses, but the way we reach them today, it feels personalized and it, it, which then ultimately makes that message more relevant to that individual. So even though it's not one-to-one, -one, we're getting close to where even mass advertising is starting to feel more one-to-one. -one. And we think then it's more relevant as a result. Totally. I, I wonder if eventually it'll start to like, you know, uh, um, tease out some of the actual psychological things that those, you know, larger results are yielding of like, you know, why this certain set of headline and creative worked, you know, why right. that 
thing because it's great to be able to see you know at you know an a b test you know and get the results of it and say okay this piece of creative is, is performing pattern it after that and do more but what's the reason what's that underlying reason and i don't know maybe that's more of what we just need behavioral science help with maybe that's you know what what you know, drives that. Uh, yeah, and particularly with the the continued fragmentation, you know, um, the continuation of people cutting their cords and only opting for streaming services. And it's really, you know, content on their terms. Uh, and in many cases, um, void of advertising. So it's a challenging time, but there, again, there's a lot of opportunity for firms to um, you know, change the way they do business and, you know, explore some of these technologies that are really disrupting things because we still need to effectively target those people. Uh, they're just making it harder uh, to, to reach them. Yeah, absolutely. Oh boy. Yeah. There could be a whole nother podcast. It's on a that. whole nother, a whole yeah. nother show. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, uh, seriously, Charlie, uh, thank you so much for taking the time, uh, today. Uh, it's actually, yeah, it's been great chatting with you. I, I, I really appreciated all your insight and feedback. Thank you. It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Definitely. Well, this has been another episode of mix and matchbox. I am your host, Brent Feldman. We will be back soon with more content. Thank you.